This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, one captain and two voices. Steve Priolo and the Buffalo Bandits squeak past the rock by the hair of their playoff mustaches and advance to the NLL Finals. Plus, we'll talk to Cooper Perkins and Jamie Shuchuk, voices of the Seals and Mammoth, as they get set for Game 3. All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. One team has advanced. We still need to figure out who they will play. Is the Buffalo Bandits sweep away the Toronto Rock in the East Finals? 
Mammoth Seals going to a deciding game three. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. I am Teddy Jenner. He is Pat Gregoire. You can find us on Twitter at Teddy Jenner, at P Greggy, at OTCB underscore podcast, where you can find the show on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Patty, what is going on? How are you? Doing great, man. I'm still coming down from that high, which was the weekend of those two one-goal games. Um, just unbelievable stuff. Just when you think an all-playoff lacrosse couldn't get any better, uh, just <laughs> it just continues to get crazier and crazier. Yeah, in case you missed it, game one, Toronto hit the post at the buzzer. Game two, Toronto thought they had tied it at the buzzer. Um, what was your thoughts on that goal, no goal right at the end of game two? Uh, it was the right call. It was the right call. And I know there's confusion with the game clock on TSN. And just so the folks at home know, if you don't already know, um, you know, some arenas have capabilities that can be tied into to the clock that is in the arena. Uh, and sometimes it's literally a guy in the truck manually pressing start and stop on the clock and unfortunately that was the case um when the ball went in the back of the net what you were seeing on the tv it looks like there was time on the clock the same thing happened in round one with halifax when they scored on toronto it Mm -hmm. looked like the time was off but when we got a look at the clock the replay it was the right call um it stinks because the narratives were there. Dan Craig, the guy who had the ball in his stick, didn't realize he still had five seconds left on the clock in game one where he could have caught it, then shot it. Instead, he tries to quick stick it. Can't get enough on it. Well, now the game is in his hands. He quick sticks it. It goes in the back of the net. They think they force overtime, but it has to go back to review and by a a hair like i mean a hair they just missed in putting that game into overtime and who knows what happens if that game goes to ot we could be talking about going to game three right now um just super unfortunate for a toronto rock team that had such a great season um unfortunately there can only be one winner and for them um it's a sweep but that series was much closer than a two-game sweep let's be honest yeah, absolutely. That was just a, an incredibly well-played two-game set. I'd love to see a th- third game between those two clubs, but we are going to see a third game between Colorado and San Diego. They went to overtime. It was that man again, Dane Doby, with the winner. He just loves scoring in Denver. He did it numerous times as a member of the Calgary Roughnecks. You go back and think of all those wins that Calgary had over Colorado in the playoffs. And the majority of them had Dane Doby deciding the outcome. And he did it again, this time as a member of the Seals with a cheeky short side backhander on Dylan Ward. Uh, we are going to get a game three. It's going to be in Pachanga Saturday night. It is going to be an absolute slobber knocker. And I think this series is just lived up to expectations and maybe has been even better. Uh, the defenses have stepped up. Both goaltenders have been tremendous. And despite, you know, the lack of 
offense on San Diego's part with their righties. The lefties have been unbelievable. You talk about Doby, but how about Austin Stotts? Mm-hmm. This is a guy that we we've talked about at nauseum of of how he's a big game player. We we've seen him do it in the Man Cup. We've seen him do it in the Minto Cup. We've seen him doing it in the regular season um, with the Seals, and now he's doing it on the biggest stage of them all, and he's living up to the hype. On the other side, Colorado. Big question was, what are they going to do without Ryan Lee? Well, Eli McLaughlin has been that answer. Um, you know, eight points in game one, seven in, in game two. Um, but they need a little bit more from the righties. They, they got a great game out of Zed in game one. Um, but the offense kind of went a little bit dry on that side. So despite some deficiencies from the righties, both the offenses still look great. Um, I can't wait for game three. I thought we were going to get a game three in the East. And I thought maybe Colorado would finish it up, uh, but we should know better with Dane Doby. Uh, he was not going to go down easy. Uh, that game goes Saturday night down in Pechanga. Cooper Perkins, Nick Asella will have the call 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on ESPN Plus and TSN Direct. Uh, before we get to thumbs up, thumbs down after this weekend, um, the OLA MSL debacle continues to rear its head. Uh, they were supposed to start their season a couple of nights ago. Uh, the game happened. They didn't have refs. They just pulled two people out of the stands to ref the game. It is just continuing to get worse and worse between these two sides. Is there any end in sight out there, Patty? I I want to say yes. Um, but uh, just both sides are, are just on the completely different ends of the, the, the spectrum right now in terms of where they see, where they stand, where they believe this should be. Um, I thought at this point we, we would get a re- resolution, but it's just, it's going nowhere. It's getting ugly. Um, and you mentioned no refs being there. As far as I know, on the Ontario refs, game log and their schedule there are no games scheduled for major series lacrosse right now they agreed that you know the ola said that they would send refs as an exhibition game and once yeah. i believe that was deemed not going to be an exhibition game they're going to carry on as a regular season game um they decided that they would not be sending referees so just a just a mess that just continues to get messier and messier and messier. I I, I really I wish I could say more on this topic, yeah. but it's it's just it's maddening. It certainly is, and and hopefully cooler heads prevail, and and we get this thing sorted out, and we can get that MSL season underway because the longer it is held out the more chances that we either have an all Western man cup or we don't have a man cup at all. And it's just going to get uglier and uglier. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Paul Tutka and the folks over at Laxmag uh, do a good job of, of keeping that up to date. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's doesn't seem like there's an end in sight, but hopefully cooler heads prevail and we can get that going. But Ontario junior is going junior B is going same out here in the West and the West Durham Ironheads and the Victoria Junior B Shamrocks are on a collision course, Patty. We are on a collision course. Do you think Let's, we fight? 
just right off the hop, just get it out of the way if we ever think, meet the founders? I think we have to. I think okay. there's no there's no choice. But just we got a lot of work in to warm do. Up, you and me just drop them. Might as well. We're in yeah. Brampton. We've seen a fair share of warm up fights <laughs> yeah. in that building before. Yeah. So, but no, I had, we, we, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're pleased with the start, but we recognize it's just a start. So lots of work still to be done. Um, but yeah, I'm fired up, man. It, it, like, I know we still have a game and a series to go in the NL season, but despite all the madness that's happening here in Ontario, um, with, with major series, um, it's exciting just to be back in in the buildings and the rinks and um, all the junior leagues are getting ready to go and uh, WLA is starting up soon. So, I mean, if, if MSL can't figure it out, um, I might just be a full-blown WLA guy Bring this it. summer. Yeah, uh, Shamrocks and Samville is kick off the season Friday night. Uh, games will be on play full screen so you can stream it from your home. I I have a feeling they're going to be charging for it, but uh, don't quote me on that. Um, speaking of founders and Mintos and Mans, uh, the uh, Lacrosse Canada Championship dates have been released. Founders will go August 16th to the 21st. The Minto is from the 22nd to the 28th. Uh, Prezi's goes 28th to September 3rd, and the man starts September 9th. So... Um, Second week of August, the major Canadian National Cross Championships will get underway. Um, and most of them are going to be in Ontario, except for the Prezies, which will be in Alberta. But uh, let's get to the task at hand. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'll go first. Dane Doby just knows how to win. In big situations, on the biggest stage, he wants the ball in his stick. And you said it. Jamie Shuchuk said it on the broadcast. The ball's got to go through 83 and 44 in those moments. And Dane Doby just took it upon himself, willed himself past Jordan Gillis, stayed out of the crease, tiptoed past Robert Hope, and fired that backhander to keep his team alive and force a game three. But he knew it was going to be all on Dane Doby's shoulders. He loves that pressure. He loves that weight. He loves those moments. And he stood up and did the best that he can. And immediately... Ran right to the locker room. Loved it. I loved everything about it. No need for pomp and circumstance. Get off the floor. Let's start thinking about game three. And Dane Doby really stepped up at a right time. I love it. That celebration was incredible. Just up and off through the tunnel. And you mentioned it, how he has crushed the souls of Mammoth fans for a while. I don't know if you saw, there was a sign in the stands. Uh, <laughs> Denver, Denver hates Toby. Just icing on the cake uh, with that goal, with the celebration. Um, and I, I, I mean, I said it earlier, like shame on me for thinking that this SEALs team was going to go down without a fight. And um, I knew they would have a fight, but I just had a weird feeling that Colorado yeah. was going to get it done. And they didn't. And it's not because they didn't play well. It's just in the big moments, the big players stepped up for for the Seals. And, uh, you know, on that note, might as well go to my thumbs up because it's kind of along the same lines. Matt Vince, man, like, <sighs> we knew he wasn't going to let up 17. Uh, but I didn't know if he was going to, to be as, as good as he was. He was so calm, cool, and collecting. You got to give a, a, a good chunk of credit to that Buffalo Bandits D. They were packing it in tight again, blocking shots. Felt like they were really out of sync in game one, not really playing. 
to the style that they want to play, but they were giving up all the shots that Vino wanted to, to see. Mm-hmm. And he just looked unflappable. And like, this is a guy that, you know, I, I, Christian Del Bianco brought up a great point on, you know, on Twitter. He said, Matt Vince is the greatest lacrosse player of all time. And I think there's a debate out there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, I, hey, I'm just saying. It should, where should he be in overall players? That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it opens up a conversation. It, where does he stand in overall players? Because I know goalies always get buried in the discussion. Is he a top 10 player of all time? Is he a top five player of all time? Um, I know Christian Elbianco is being a little bit of a goalie union supporter and saying he is the best. I don't know if you can. I don't even know if you can really compare um, when it comes to goalies and players, but he should be in the conversation, I think, for in that top 10, that top five. Yes, I, I can. I definitely have to agree with that. Um, I, I just I'm surprised that you would call him the GOAT. Like, come on, man. Have some respect for the guys from the past. Hey, he is one of the goats. I'm you can sh- have a you can have some goats out there, but I mean, you just you look you look at the numbers. I know the eras are are, are different, but I, I do think that he makes a good point in saying that I, I don't necessarily agree that he should be the greatest player of all time. But um, I think goalie should should be in that conversation when you're talking about the grand scheme of things. Um, I mean, we could have a whole. Uh, episode on talking about who's in our top fives our mm-hmm. top tens and uh he should be in there definitely an off-season conversation um thumbs down and this is tongue-in-cheek just because of how good both of these series have been so far we got to get to seven games man we got to get to seven game series because I want seven games of Toronto Buffalo I want seven games of Colorado San Diego I want seven games of Buffalo and whoever they play in the final. I understand the logistics. I understand it's not always easiest with our league and arena availability and player availability, etc. But one day we have to be able to give these guys and give the fans what they want. And that is longer series, best of sevens. Let them go to absolute battle for a week and a half. Uh, hard to argue that. Hard to argue more lacrosse. Obviously, the schedule and the commitments and how deep the, 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 the season goes with how the season has to be structured is obviously a hurdle at this point. But God damn it, Teddy, I hope we get to a point where we can have a seven-game final or even a five-game, uh, mm-hmm. three-of-five series. Because you look at at Toronto, man, like literally it could be, they could have swept. Like if those goals to, you know, put them in overtime, go in the back of the net, don't hit a pipe or, you know, it's a quarter of a second quicker out of challenge Rogers stick to, to Dan Craig, which by the way, we did talk about that goal. I, 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 I made it pretty clear on the broadcast, but I just want to say it again, that pass from challenge Rogers is absolutely (laughs) disgusting. Um, but you could be talking about Toronto sweeping Buffalo. Mm-hmm. You never know. And it's, it is unfortunate. That's the way it is right now. And kudos to Buffalo for, for finding a way to win um, in, in tight situations. But I agree, man. 
uh, I would love to see these these series longer. Um, all right, let's get into our guest this week. We're going three ways. We are going to talk to Jamie Shuchuk of the Mammoth Broadcast, Cooper Perkins of the Seals Broadcast, and the captain of the Buffalo Bandits, Steve Priolo. One team in, one team to be decided, two teams battling for that final spot. We talked to our three guests this week right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Joined out by Jamie Shuchuk, who was on the call for last weekend's Game 2. Shuey, how are you, brother? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are awesome. How about them Oilers? Oh, oh buddy. One more. Let's go. One, One more. more. Let's go. That'll be tonight, Thursday, in Calgary. A chance to advance for the first time in a long time to the Western Final. Hey, Patty, how's your hockey team? Uh, it's not hockey season. I'm not. I'm not talking about oh, hockey. Okay. Okay. Check. Next question, please. Let's let's, sure. let's keep um, it Let's get to the heart of the matter, Shuey. Um, Dane Doby just has a knack for crushing mammoth souls. Uh, were you surprised he was the one that ended things Saturday night? Uh, not at all. Especially the way the game went. Uh, if you look at the San Diego offense, uh, especially the way they got going, it was Austin Stotts and. Dane Doby, and I think I said on the call before that uh, play happened, I said the ball's going to go to 83 or 44, and sure enough, it ended up being a broken play, and, you know, Dane Doby just picked it up. I think I also said on the call, you know, Zach Greer was open for a little little pop-up there, but Doby said I'm taking it and uh, completely fooled Dylan Ward with, you know, <laughs> just a freak shot, but nothing, yeah, nothing surprising with Dane Doby. I mean, the guy... The guy likes winning, and, uh, you know, we saw the frustration there in game one in San Diego, and, uh, you know, he just willed his team. Um, you know, and then also, too, I think the play of Frank Shiliano uh, is definitely something to be uh, discussed about that game. But, yeah, Dane Doby, not surprising. A good buddy of mine, I saw him after the game, made a point. I had Jeremy Noble uh, go grab him in the locker room. I just wanted to see him and congratulate him and uh, whatnot. But, uh, yeah, not not surprising at all, guys. I mean, Dane Doby's there to do – do exactly what he did so with ryan lee out of the lineup obviously the mammoth needed someone to to step up and i think it's safe to say that uh, in the first two games of this series uh eli mclaughlin has been that guy eight in game one um or sorry seven in game one uh and then you know another another big performance uh in game two um were you surprised that this is the guy that stepped up or is this exactly who needed to, to be big in the big moments? Uh, yeah. You know, he's one of those guys that you guys mentioned, you know, the talking about the big three, you know, that we discussed last time with the Colorado mammoth was uh, you include Ryan Lee, obviously him out uh, big performance by Zed there in game one. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's up to somebody definitely every game for this mammoth offense, but uh, you know, obviously not enough. Um, it's kind of a low scoring game, but, um, you know, we saw Eli go off, um, I believe it was against Vancouver at home and, uh, you know, he, he came back, he scored four goals in the fourth quarter of that game and OT winner. Um, so, you know, so that, that stays in my mind, you know, it's Eli's evolved into, uh, you know, we knew the, the skill and the talent that this kid had coming in the league. We saw it the first couple of years and, you know, he's been given a lot more responsibility, um, with that mammoth offense, and then of course, just the way that Bishop has him playing, it's it's uh, you know pretty free flowing offense. You know the things, 
you know, he de he definitely missed, uh, you know, we talk about big three, you know, he was definitely the big one, I guess, that game, you know, Connor Robinson, you know, didn't really get a lot of looks that we usually see him get that game. So kind of quiet games from the, the supporting cast. And I think that was a difference maker, but yeah, great game by Eli and timely goals. Obviously he scored that big one, brought the mammoth uh, fans to their feet, uh, you know, to tie it up like a minute left, I think it was. So um, pretty impressive performance by Eli. And I think, uh, I think he's going to be fired up for game three. How have you enjoyed the coaching battle in this? You know, Pat Coyle and Patrick Merrill are two of the best, well-prepared, well-respected coaches in the league. How have you enjoyed watching them kind of go head-to-head strategy-wise? Well, it's it's always fun watching, looking on, because I, I definitely pay attention to that type of stuff, especially knowing, um, you know, I competed against you know, the San Diego coaching staff. And I obviously play with Pat Coyle with the Mammoth. And, you know, I, I know what these guys are about. And you can see the emotion on the bench. And, you know, they're they're a lot different. You know, I think, uh, you know, Pat, Pat Coyle, you can see he's a lot more, you know, kind of calm and, you know, in the locker room, not so much probably. But, <laughs> you know, I think uh, you can definitely see just the emotion come through. You see Pat Merrill and, you know, Josh Sanderson just, you know, praising their guys, you know, no matter what, you can see the energy on the bench there. And I think that that was a difference maker there. You see the way Austin Stotts plays. I mean, the guy leaves everything on the floor um, every single shift. And, you know, I think he can barely move right now at this time of the season and he's still going. And, you know, I think that's a testament of, uh, you know, just how much belief that the San Diego Seals coaching staff has in their guys. And obviously when you have Dane Doby. You know, that's one of those things coaching in this league when you have a Dane Doby who's grabbing the board, you know, almost every shift saying we're doing this and, and, and that type of thing is is uh, got to be a good feeling as a coach. So, you know, not saying it's easy, but I think just that uh, the emotion that San Diego has and and, and you know, the belief I, I talked to Pat Coyle before the game uh, earlier last week and, you know, he's he's very very proud of his guys where they are right now. And, and you can just tell the confidence that he has. And, you know, we discussed the Ryan Lee uh, injury. And, uh, but again, I think just the way that they're both teams are built, they're different. Um, again, goaltending, I think was a big thing in both, in both games. Uh, but you can definitely see the emotion on both sides. Um, you know, the, the way that these coaches are and the way that they coach their players and you can see the love and admiration and, and in everything that's reciprocated by the players. We know, uh, obviously, Dylan Ward and that defense uh, were tremendous uh, on Saturday night. Is there a possibility they can be even better uh, for Game 3? Because we know you mentioned the likes of their offense. Uh, they can go off at any moment. How much better can they get if they can well, I, I think it's interesting because they're definitely, you know, yeah, Dylan Ward, their, their defense, is, you know, we, we talked about last time we were on here, you know, it's almost like they need to be scored on a couple times to kind of wake up some games, but that hasn't been the case the last couple times. I think the Mammoth have, have started okay and have weathered storms and, and have been able to, you know, respond uh, in, in both games, but um, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, it's. I think this league too is is so unpredictable. We talk about one guy on every team can just go off, and last last game it was two guys doing the scoring. So you know, it'll be interesting to see what I saw in game two was 
San Diego loves giving the ball to 44 and 83 and letting them go to work. And, you know, so it'll be interesting to see if they're, you know, our personnel matchups, maybe they get a, you know, Robert Hope, um, you know, guys over there on that side of the floor more. Um, I'd like to see the Mammoth push the ball in transition a bit more and go after those lefties. Um, you know, in the Mammoth uh, building, it's it's a second and fourth quarter there where you can utilize Capito and Gillis, those, you know, that speed, those right-handed defensemen. So it'll be interesting to see those little little subtle changes. And I think that's what Pat Coyle is, is a genius with and a master at is those adjustments. And, you know, so, yeah, I think uh, I think they can be better. They have the opportunity. They've had opportunities all year to be better and to, to close things out. Um, you know, near the end of the season, they could have clinched you know, higher seating in the playoffs and weren't able to and could have clinched last weekend at home, weren't able to. So now is their opportunity to respond. So, um, yeah, I think they need to be better, and I think they, I think they will be better. Uh, this rivalry obviously has some deep-rooted angst ever since Steve Govett and Josh Gross left, and then they took Cam Holding, and they took Jeremy Noble, and then they took Zach Greer. Um, what makes this rivalry so good? I think you just said it right there. I think, uh, you know, Steve Govett has everything to do with, you know, the Colorado Mammoth and, and, and where they are today. And obviously what they're doing down in San Diego, building a winning pedigree. And they have such a exciting product to, to see. So, um, you know, we the Mammoth got by their other rival was, you know, Calgary's not in, not in the conversation right now, which is which is an accomplishment for for Colorado. But. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's incredible, and it's great for the game, especially like look at the look at the guys we're watching. You know, Dane Doby, who knows how many years he's going to go. Um, Austin Stotts is just getting going. Um, you know, and j- just uh, you know, Steve's done a great job um, just bringing good good quality people down there to build what they're doing. So um, it, it's it, I think it's awesome. I saw those guys both in the building. You can see how excited they were being back in Ball Arena, and you know they're high five in the ticket staff and, you know, just everybody like they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're there for a reason. And, you know, it's, it, it's great to have those people involved and uh, seeing what they're doing for the game. And, um, you know, again, it's just giving more players more opportunity to play. And it's great to see our game down in San Diego. So game three's, uh, you know, th- those fans down there are in for a treat. So ha- hats off to Steve and, and Josh Gross and, uh, you know, Pat Merrill, everybody down there for what they're doing. Back in 2006, Colorado beat Calgary. Last time they did that, they went to the Champions Cup. They had to beat a Sunbelt team in the, in the West Finals to get to the finals. In that finals, they faced the Buffalo Bandits. History can repeat itself if they get a win on Saturday night down in San Diego. Shuey, appreciate the conversation as always, my man. Enjoy the game, and you know I'm going to say it. Let's go Oilers. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to it and yes let's go Oilers one more one more tonight baby let's go joined now by the voice that will call the game Saturday night down in Pachanga Arena Cooper Perkins of the Lax Metrics podcast Coop how are you brother Daddy Pat doing fantastic as always it's a pleasure to sit down with you guys for a few and uh, talk about the best time of year playoff across right it is the best time of year, indeed. Um, Dane Doby loves this time of year and loves the big moments. Was there any surprise he was the guy to force a game three as he ran straight off the floor? You know, you guys get to, get to do the same thing I do, right, where we get to sit up in the booth and tell stories and try and paint pictures and stuff. And, and 
I'll be damned if there's not a guy who wrote the perfect character arc all by himself. I mean, the history's there. All of the accomplishments are there. But watching from game one to game two, how it all came together and, and, and capped off by that run off the floor. I mean, if you're a Mammoth fan, you hate to see it. But if you're a sports fan, regardless of where your allegiances lie, it's just compelling stuff, man. Yeah, I just thought the 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 awareness of Dane Doby in that situation as an elite goal scorer to know traveling up the floor that close to the goal, knowing that Dylan Ward has to step up off his pipe and to have the, the skill, the mindset and the audacity to throw that shot in that position just speaks volumes of his confidence. But like you said, he just has a history of scoring big goals against Colorado in the playoffs. And it was just poetic. And it's going to lead us into a fantastic game three. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's funny because he he beat Wardo on a, a similar shot back in game two on a shorthanded chance. And, and that didn't matter because it's week two back in December. But, you know, I'd be surprised if, if the same thought wasn't going through his head that got Wardo out in the high arc, got a little bit of angle if you can throw up behind the back and, you know. He's, he's crafty for a reason, right? Dame Doby hasn't scored 500 goals or whatever by being the quickest guy on the floor. He's always been the craftiest and the smartest. Who hasn't been around for a long time, but uh, he has certainly bursted onto the scenes for a lot of guys that maybe haven't been watching the Seals as closely as you have. Uh, Patrick Schumann, uh, now we're seeing the offense come, but if you talk to anyone within the organization or have been around the club, they said that he's been doing all the other things, and now he's just completely putting that well-rounded game together. Uh, Seals got to be happy with how well he's breaked out, uh, broken out this playoffs. I mean, they loved him coming out of his draft year. They traded up to get him, obviously, so that's always going to be a testament to how much a team values a young player. But I think the most exciting aspect of Patrick Schumann's game is just seeing how healthy he is. Right, He had a big knee injury when he was in college at RIT, and from the start of the season to now, it's just been so clear he's 100% healthy in what he's capable of. And, you know, he's not the sexiest from a style standpoint because he's more of a traditional D guy. You know, the transition aspect of his game is still in development. And, you know, the, the couple of goals he scored the postseason, I think you can draw a straight line from his end of practice, the things that he's working on. I mean, it looks exactly like uh, what those finishes look like in the game. So I... I mean, they couldn't be any happier with what he's given them. And, and, you know, part of going out and getting him right, Mike McCannell, they knew was going to go back and do one more year. So you bring in a Patrick Schumann kind of thinking that, well, if, if we can get this guy, it doesn't matter if we don't have a first-round pick next year because, you know, he's going to be already at this level. And, and I, I don't know how you could possibly not be excited if you're a lacrosse fan just watching the kid play. I mean, he's the as, – as Nick Asella likes to call it, the uh, – the cold, silent type off the floor, but his game kind of mirrors that in a fun way too. How would you grade Mike McCannell's first game? Obviously, you know, was in school, wasn't on the roster all year long, and then gets activated right before the second round starts, gets into game two. Uh, that has to be a big pressure situation for a young man that hasn't played box across in quite some time. Yeah, you know, I mean, credit – the front office credit the coaching staff for trusting him for making that bold move. Cause I don't know if that's something that a lot of people would do, but you know, I think there were probably some growing pains in there for Mike. There's a, you know, he got beat underneath pretty bad one point, but rebounded forced a couple of turnovers, had an assist. And 
you know, I haven't had a chance to really talk to Mike, but I have to imagine that that was just such an exciting, thrilling experience. So I'll follow up with you on that after I get a chance to chat with him this weekend. But uh, man, seeing the young kids all around the league really start to come into their own, whether they're in game one or game 15, 20, whatever it be, is pretty cool. Both the netminders, uh, Frank Giuliano and Dylan Ward, went save for save, uh, you know, a lot of big offensive performance, but both of them stood strong, you know, keeping this a relatively low-scoring game. The eye test, they certainly passed it, but uh, what was the numbers say about their games? Yeah, man, you know, it's so interesting, and I think especially the Dylan Ward side of that matchup, because, like, historically, it's not a long history, but against the Seals, He's, he's had a lot of trouble seeing the ball well or whatever it is, but they've had a lot of success against him since the franchise's first year. And some switch flipped midway through this season at that second matchup between the Seals and the Mammoth where Wardo's just been seeing everything. It, it's like that history against the Seals of getting run out of games and having them put up big numbers has completely been erased. And, you know, Frank is a guy that, is as hot as, as anyone right now, which is pretty cool to see after what was a little bit of a, a late season lull, both from the defense and from him. And, you know, just as a fan of goaltending above all else, it's pretty cool to see what those guys are doing. Cause man, they're robbing goals. It's not just, they're making saves. They're, they're plucking it out of the back of the net. And, you know, we had that game one save Wardo made Frank had a couple of huge ones in game two. And, I don't know how you, you stay quiet when you watch these games because guys are just doing stuff that makes you want to scream like a little girl, right? <laughs> um, Audie's thoughts were seen getting plenty of treatment treatment during the later stages of that game. Uh, could have been, you know, the altitude, could have been just the overall energy of the night. But is that a concern going into game three, you think? You know, I, I don't think it's more of a concern – than at any other point in the season. I mean, at the end of the day, the kid is an absolute warrior going out there and playing on the knees that he's playing on and, and given everything that led into this year with the questions about whether he would play or not. I mean, at this juncture, I, I have to imagine that something short of an amputation would, would be hard to keep him off the floor. And, you know, he's playing at such a high level too. It's not just that he's you know out there and giving it a good college try. I mean, the dude yeah. put in five in game two and, you guys have to have a great view of it yourselves, but watching the chemistry between him and Dane Doby develop into just a lethal two-man game wasn't a fast process. But now in what's, I guess, game 22, 23, whatever it is, it just seems like he and Dane are on, on this, this connection that recognizes how elite each other's individual skills are and plays to the peak of each of those skill sets. And, you know, so health wise, I think both of them probably banged up just like everyone is at this point in the season. But I mean, we saw it at the end of that game too, just, just how electric the two of them can be. And, you know, I, I hope that everyone's healthy. I think it's the biggest shame in the world that Ryan Lee is not healthy because regardless of who you are, that is not how you want to see a series go. I mean, win or lose if you're the Seals or the Mammoth, you want to see the best players on the floor at all times. And so whether it's Ryan Lee or Adi Stotts, I think we all collectively should just kind of be holding our breaths that everyone stays healthy because that's the best lacrosse. I mean, human reasons aside, we want to see the best players playing at the highest level and you know see who wins in that kind of circumstance, right? Finish the sentence here. The San Diego Seals will win if and don't say if they score more goals than the other two. 
You know, I'm not coy like that. I, I, that answer makes my blood boil. I, you know, it, it's the perfect coach speak. The good news is I'm not a coach, so you're not going to get that from me anyway. <laughs> um, I think the Seals win if they get two goals from Westberg. Um, I think it's a little bit of a niche thing. There are other ways they could win. Um, but if they get some, some scoring on that right side, I think Wes is the guy that has to deliver it. I think whatever you're going to get from from Audi and, and Doby is, is kind of penciled it already. And you're going to pick up one or two in transition, maybe probably a power play goal. And if you can get two out of Westberg, that math is going to be pretty tough to overcome, I think. And, you know, they've been winning games without him being much of a scoring threat lately, which isn't a knock on him in any way because he's a dynamic player that can impact the game in a lot of ways. He had five assists in game two. But if they get two goals from Westberg, I think the Seals win that game. Does the home team finally win this uh, game in this series or what? You know, I don't know. I, I think it's a coin flip. I think both of these teams are so good and so wildly comfortable on the road against each other. You know, like Colorado had their struggles away from Ball Arena this season, but it seems like everyone shows up to Pachanga Arena. It's a different kind of vibe. They're ready to kind of play. And, and you know, it, it, it showed up. The Seals haven't. It's not like they've dominated at home this season. So it, the opportunity is there for the taking for both sides. And um, I, I think I know some people that certainly would like to see the Seals uh, come up with that one. But uh, we're unbiased on the broadcast, and, and whoever wins will be the most deserving team, no doubt. It'll be yourself and Nick Ocello on ESPN Plus and TSN Direct. Cooper Perkins of the San Diego Seals broadcast. Appreciate you, my man. Have a great call on Saturday. Pat, Teddy, thanks so much. Always a pleasure to hop on with you guys. Joined now by the captain of the Buffalo Bandits, Steve Priolo, whose team swept away the Toronto Rock in two games. And now we'll wait to see who they play from the winner of the Seals and Mammoth West Finals. Stevie, how are you, my brother? Great. How are you guys? Uh, we are fantastic. Uh, you are out at the lake. What lake are you exactly at and how remote is it? <laughs> this is a uh, three-mile lake. And it's up uh, near the Muskokas. Uh, you know, I was at work at Lake Rosso, and now I'm just at home at, at another lake. Lakes on lakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to sort of start on, on a somber, serious note. But with everything going on in the U.S. right now, with the two horrific mass shootings in the past couple of weeks, how hard is it to stay focused uh, on the task at hand when there's so much hate going on in the world right now? Um, it's, they have to be considered very separate issues, right? When you're, you can't use one for motivation for the other. It's, um, it's a very serious thing that's, that's happening right now in our world. And I don't know if you guys saw Steve Kerr's interview. Uh, I think it was prior to Golden State came and I feel, honestly, I feel the same way when I was watching that. I was like, man, he's hitting it right on the head. Cause honestly, it's like, you start thinking about, yeah okay we're doing moment of silence and we're raising money and you do all these things but like those are those are um those are reacting to a situation but we need to start being proactive we need to start figuring things out before they happen because honestly like f all that man that's that sucks that, that this is happening in our world and we need to be proactive the the moment um or the night in buffalo had you ever been a part of anything like that you know with, with again with everything that was going on had you ever been a part of a game that had so much more meaning um there's every game has a lot of different meanings right and it's like 
when you think about uh, our lymphoma nights and things like that, right. I honestly not that they're this, not that they're tied, but both were very emotional, emotional games where it's separate situations, but you just feel so lucky to be doing what you're doing and hanging out with the people you're hanging out, and yeah, it's like, man, it's it's so weird because you start thinking about like, wow, it's just at that tops buying like protein or whatever, you know what I mean? You're, you're we're there all the time, and, and it's it's right down the road, and it's it was one of those things where it was like, just let's just try our, try our hearts out for the city right now, because we just, we just need a good bounce. We just need a good win. Yeah. There was no doubt that uh, you guys have been tremendous supporting the city and the city supporting you guys. Uh, it was awesome to see how many Buffalo bandits fans uh, came out to Hamilton to support you guys at some times during that game, the let's go bandits chance were louder than the go Rocco. I, I know it's so cliche, but how much more, you know, motivation does that give you guys seeing that many jerseys in the stands cheering you guys on in a road game in the playoffs? It's, it's incredible. It's a lot. It's a ton of motivation. You start, um, people start asking about why we have these rivalries and things like that. And, and there's a perfect example of it, right? Because our fans are filling up the seats just like theirs. And we're, you know, an hour away from each other. And, and I think about the same thing when you go down the, I-90 towards uh, towards Rochester. People are like, "Why do you have such a ro- rivalry with them?" Because like, we're we're neighbors, right? Yeah. And it's like you have our fans are going out with their fans, and it, it just gives you such motivation. You play with that much more passion when you see uh, your jerseys in the stands. Uh, two incredible games, obviously versus the Rock. They could have gone to overtime with both of them. Like I don't think I've seen two games end in similar fashions with just minutes and minuscule moments between victory and overtime, was it just a case of how evenly matched these two teams really are? I think it's a testament to how evenly matched the, the East is. Because if you, if you go back to, uh, right, like I think Toronto played every every game they played in the postseason was within a goal, <laughs> right? They easily could have went 3-0 and if they – so it's just like – and you never know, man. With one one good bounce, the other way, you never, Halifax could have went three and zero, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, feel fortunate enough that you know we're worth we went three and zero. Thank goodness. But every every game matters so much in lacrosse, and that and the postseason is proving that time after time. One of the things that that I noticed when I'm watching games is every time there's a goal scored on you guys, you kind of have a huddle around Matt Vince. Are, are you discussing tendencies, tactics, or just kind of watching back to see what happens to try and help uh, prevent that from happening again? It's uh, it's all those things. We touch on them all. You know, sometimes we just bring it in together, and sometimes Vina will go, like, sorry, guys. All, like, that went through my jersey or whatever. I was there. You know, let's just regroup, and then it's all good. But sometimes it's a system breakdown where he goes, let's start pushing them down the lane more, or let's – you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's all those things. It's just a second that we get together to just – Hey, let's re- regroup. Let's refocus. It's it's okay. And sometimes you need that with defense because you've seen it with Toronto. They go on runs, and it's like we need to just stop, right? So sometimes you'll see, maybe even JT throws a flag, knowing it's not going to be a going to going to be called back. But you know, he throws it just to calm us down. And it's it's little things like that that are nice. Seventeen goals against in game one, and then you guys completely dial it back in, and it's back to the. Buffalo Bandits brand of defense uh, in game two. And it really was the difference maker in, in closing that game and closing the series out. How proud of you were uh, of that bounce back that your defense and of course, Matt Vince as well uh, in, in a clutch moment. 
Yeah, that's the that's honestly the benefit of having a goalie like Matt in, in net, where it's like, give him the shots that he wants, and then he'll make the saves, right? So that was a big thing. Was like, okay, how are we gonna put Toronto in a position that they are gonna shoot the shots we want them to shoot? Because they're gonna shoot shots. They're an unbelievable offense, right? So it's like they're gonna get shots off. Where do we put them? Where Matt's gonna make those saves? And you know, a testament to our coaching staff and our and our and our defense to just like, you know, have a change implement a system that's you know one week we were doing something totally different than we okay let's make a change and it works and it pays off and you know i'm pretty sure they made some changes too right looking at the score just both teams had you know our offense ran shows on uh, in the first game and then next game was the defensive uh battle from a defender's point of view how tough is it to match up against your offense against our own offense in practice yeah it gets because they're they're they, at times they go 100 percent, but uh you know then it, it's they're so athletic man they're just mm-hmm. so athletic they're so smart they're so much fun to like be on the same team with and you know sometimes they're setting picks and you're just like she's like whoa what did i hit him just run into a wall did I, did I run into the boards or did i run into the <laughs> like what just happened there <laughs> right so like i can only imagine what that must feel like for other teams to go 60 minutes with them but uh, yeah, it's it's. I guess it's maybe uh, a loop around is that you know it's made us the defense that we are being able to play against them every week. We know the big names, the Dane Smiths, the Josh Byrne, Connor Fields. Like the list goes on and on. But I think a guy that maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves, but I know he gets the credit inside that locker room. Kyle Buchanan. How big has he been oh. for you guys? Not just throughout the regular season, but also in this playoff run right now. Yeah, him. His his. His mentality is is a do everything right kind of guy, right? So it's like you see that he at one point I think um, I think we had more goals as a team than he had shots on net, like at a point. He just doesn't worry about this stuff. He's just more worried about winning, and that's the way he's always been, right? For whatever amount of years he's been in the league, and uh, I think you know as lacrosse grows, you'll start seeing more you know, analysts and things looking into like guys like that, right. Guys that are doing those little things and you see how important those type of players are because, you know, you don't get Dane Smith over the top to shoot his, to shoot his shot without that threat of Kyle hitting the pick and rolling to the net and getting all that garbage in front of the net, man. It's uh, it's important, but teams have guys like that. We just got to start noticing, start uh, speaking their names and respecting them. Uh, Bandit land is unmatched at this time of year how important will home floor be in the finals for you guys it was it was uh, all our all our thought was at the end as soon as we locked up first in the east it was like okay we need to get home floor overall because we go the whole way we know that having having our our uh, fans behind us and being able to be comfortable at home and all that is is going to be everything but at the same time we saw that in 2019 right so not to we don't want to be like oh we have home floor so this is like what it is you know every team that is in this league is good right now man it's just feel fortunate to get to the finals again uh you guys have a week off uh what is in your plans you climbing a mountain swimming a lake (laughs) building a cabin wrestling a cougar what are you doing I do all those things as well. I just, I just throw, <laughs> throw practice in there, throw practice in there too. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's so funny. I'm actually ready to go right now. We have a big, we have like a 400 foot kind of climb in the back here, like a like a road that goes up, 
and uh, I'm about to go run up and down that as many times as I can before I throw up. So, <laughs> <laughs> standard life with Steve Priolo. Well, Cap, I appreciate you guys are on to the finals. Uh, last time you were there it was a tough loss to the Calgary Roughnecks, but uh, hopefully you guys can rewrite history in your favor. Appreciate the time, and man, enjoy the week off, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much, guys. All right, so that's a triple threat of Shuey Cooper and Steve Priolo. Uh, great insight from all three of those guys. Um, do you have an idea of who might win this game? Because neither home team has won. Uh, we've seen high-scoring games. We've seen low-scoring games. Both goaltenders are playing fantastic. I think this is going to be an absolute grind. Yeah, it's it's a coin flip, man. I honestly... I know it's a it's a boring take. It's it's not what the people want. They want to pick. They want to know who's going to win. But honestly, man, like I, I don't know. I can see either team winning. I know it's going to be a close game. The way that these teams are evenly matched, the way that the coaches have been able to uh, not just in game adjustments, game to game adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, you you talked about it at the start of this series, and you said it's going to be a chess match, and that's exactly what it's been. Um, and I expect the same thing. What was a two goal game in the first game, overtime in the next game? It's gonna be a close one. That's all I'm gonna say. It's gonna be a close one. I, I can't wait. I, I hope I hope that there are ten thousand strong or whatever it holds down in Pachanga Arena Saturday night because this series deserves to have a full crowd down there. The seals deserve to have a concern or conceit what's the word I want? concentrated probably not the word i wanted um home floor advantage in that game Uh, i'm sure mammoth fans will travel if they can get there but i think it's just gonna be an absolute mayhem saturday night down in southern california at pachanga arena 7 p.m pacific 10 p.m eastern espn plus tsn direct is where you can find the game unfortunately we missed our parlay by half a goal. Yeah. I know you can't score half a goal, but we missed it by half a goal. So we're going to try and do a little bit better. We're still going to try to be a little cheeky with some of our picks, but as always, we're going to go big. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Uh, as mentioned, we missed out by a half a goal. Um, and it was in that Colorado-San Diego game. The over was 21 and a half. It went to 21. Uh, just gutting for the lads, Patty. <sighs> it's, it's crushing because we had the first goal. By the mammoth, like it, it was there. It was there for the taking. And then as soon as it went into overtime. <laughs> and it was low scoring too at the early point. And I think Evan Sheminara was like, oh, the OTCB podcast is going to need 13 goals. I'm like, oh, right. We do need a lot of goals here. And yeah. we started getting them. Yep. Yeah. Just, just not enough. But yeah. we regroup, we reset, and we got a good one here for game three. Yeah, and the thing is, I already said it. This is a coin flip. I mean, taking the Mammoth plus one and a half definitely seemed intriguing. 
But I didn't want to pick a side. I didn't want. I I just want to sit back and enjoy. Yeah, we're, we're playing for a good game here. Exactly. So what we decided to do, and normally, over like that bites you. You stay away. But instead, we're getting back on the saddle. You know, we're falling off our bike. We're getting back up. And we're going to go with the over 21 and a half again. But this time, we're going to sprinkle something in a little bit different. So we know the Liger has been the big cat in the jungle for Colorado. He's been big. So we think over two and a half goals for Eli McLaughlin. And then if you listened to the interview, heard that Cooper Perkins said that they need a big game from Westberg. Most specifically, they need two goals from him. So we went Westberg over one and a half goals. So those two player props plus the over 21 and a half. Canada is going to give you that parlay at plus 625. Let's go. That's a good one. I love it. I love it. In, incorporating the, the, the player props. We got one on each side. So we've got the balance there. We've got the over. So we're, we're cheering for an exciting game. And we're not picking a side. Let's get a good game. Let's get some goals. And let's make sure those two guys find the back of the net. And, of course, the updated NL Cup Finals. Bandits now heavy, heavy favorites at minus 143. Seals plus 250. Colorado plus 400. Now, is that to reach the final? That's to win it, right? Now, because obviously Buffalo's yeah. reached the finals. Yes. Yeah. So that so, is to win the finals. So. Right. so Buffalo minus 143, the heavy favorite. San Diego plus 250. Colorado, the dog now at plus 400. As always, if you want to play along, head over to coolbetcanada.com. Go down the left side, find the lacrosse icon. You can find the OTCB parlay there and just, you know, have some fun. Do your own sprinkling. Check out some of the other odds that are out there. You know, you can change from 21 and a half down to 21 if you want, or if you want to go plus two and a half, you can do that. There's lots of options. Folks over at Cool Canada keep you active, keep you on your toes, and keep you trying to win some money. But as we always say, Patty, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Absolutely. Um, anything else going on out your way that you want to get off your chest? Well, I think we touched on on the majority of it uh, off the top. Um, I think I'm. I think I'm. I'm trying to keep the the vibes positive here, Teddy. Yeah. So, all right. Um, well, how about this for a positive end? Uh, over the weekend, it was ice wars. Um, you may have seen it. It's a pay-per-view um, hockey-ish enforcer-ish round-robin tournament. And if you didn't watch it, the guy that won it went by the nickname Diamond Hands. He's also a former member of the Maple Ridge Brards in one Daniel Amesbury. There are videos and highlights of Ice Wars over at, at Fight TV, F-I-T-E-TV on Twitter. But yes, a former lacrosse player who does have a history of playing hockey at high level uh, is your new king of the rink, and Daniel Amesbury has won Ice Wars. Did you catch any of this? 
I unfortunately didn't get to see anything live, but I was following along um, on Twitter, and I saw that Amesbury won, and the guy who we actually beat is from my neck of the woods in Ajax, Ontario, Justin Bonesaw Sawyer. And, you know, a semi-professional hockey player, but he played some lacrosse back in his day. Um, Our boy... He's a uh, big dude. He's a monster. The Bonesaw is an absolute unit. (laughs) Bonesaw. But our friend, Patrick Swayze... um, Swagsy. Swagsy, sorry. Wags, friend of the program, recurring guest. Yeah. Actually mentioned that he, he did play some Whitby minor lacrosse with him back in the day. So it was a lacrosse on lacrosse fight um, in that mixed martial arts hockey mix up. Uh, it was, it's wild. Like yeah. it was wild to see. Um, but I, I couldn't see why they won't do it again. I think it was a su- success. Yeah, I think this uh, they've done this a few times, and I know Ames was really training hard for this. And uh, like I said, he, he's not the biggest guy, and, and the guy he was fighting, Bonesaw, was an absolute monster. But Huge. He, uh, he caught him with a slippery uppercut. Oh, yeah. It kind of got through, and, and it buckled Bonesaw and kind of went downhill for there. So shout out to DA, uh, a guy that's kind of been through the ringer, um, over the last decade of years with, you know, everything that had happened in the Vancouver Canuck riots and things like that. But he, he's gotten himself clean. He's gotten himself on the right path. And uh, this is an awesome moment for him uh, to be the king of the rink of Ice Wars. Uh, again, WLA gets going this Friday. Ontario Junior A, B, C, BC Junior A and B, Rocky Mountain Junior A and B, all across the country. Lacrosse is being played. The summer season is here. So make sure you get out to the rink and enjoy some games. And of course, game three, West Finals, Mammoth, Seals from Pachanga Arena, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus and TSN Direct. For our three guests, Cooper Perkins, Jamie Shuchuk. And C. Priolo and our co-host, Pat Gregoire. My name is Teddy Jenner. Thank you for joining us. You can find him on Twitter, at P. Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore. We're on Instagram at OTCB Podcast. Until we speak again, get out to a game. Take a friend, buy him a beer, tell him a story. And as always, be safe and be excellent to each other. I am an alcoholic.